Charlie Albone and welcome to episode 6 of season 2 of That's How We Grow in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. The gardening community is amazing, always happy to share their knowledge, seeds and cuttings. I love how I can ask someone the secret to their success with a plant and they'll tell me everything they know. Sharing that gardening knowledge and then seeing friends growing a thriving garden provides an amazing feeling. It's even better when they share their produce with you. Today we're going to talk about veggie patches, bees, sustainable living and all things compost. Whether it's getting your kids interested or friends started, it's a great feeling to teach someone the basics of gardening. To help with this, I'm going to be joined by host of Better Homes and Gardens, Joanna Griggs. She is a magnificent gardener in her own right and she's introduced gardening to many. She shows the joys and benefits it has to offer to all and most people don't know she's also a keen beekeeper. Now Joanna hates it when I'm late for filming, so that's enough from me and I'm buzzed to start our chat. So today's guest is a person I'm really happy to introduce as a really good friend of mine. She's an Australian TV icon. She was a former athlete. She's a part-time farmer, but an all-round good human being. She is the host of Australia's most popular lifestyle program, Better Homes and Gardens. So I guess she's sort of like my boss, Joanna Griggs. <laughs> Welcome. I wish I was your boss. Oh my God, I'd have so much fun with that, Charlie Albone. <laughs> How are Seriously, you, Seriously, it's so good to have a chat with you. And uh, I'm fantastic, even though at the moment we're in uh, pretty horrid wet conditions in Sydney. It's, uh, it it's nice to have this distraction. It's not exactly gardening weather, is it? <laughs> no, although I did get out on the weekend. We had uh, four days of just non-stop gardening. So I, I, a bit like you, I was absolutely in my element. Yeah, and you love your garden, don't you? Yeah, I, lo- I love my garden. I love cooking. I love entertaining. I, To be honest, I think out of all that, I mean, I love pets. I've got dogs. I've got bees. I've got cows. Um, I love all animals. So, I mean, there was there were a lot of synergies, but I think I probably drive you gardeners and <laughs> the cooks on the show the, and the chefs on the show that the most um, crazy because I, I just, I love, you know, learning new things. I love entertaining. I love feeding people. I love making sure that they're happy. And so um, pretty much... I could give a million examples of things I've ripped off on the show, whether it's design and architecture Mm. for our construction company, whether it's meals when I'm entertaining, whether it's drinks, whether it's table decorating ideas. I mean, um, I I guess I actually do live by the adage that what you see, I'm like everyone else who's watching the show, I'm I'm watching, I'm learning and I'm, I'm taking those ideas away. But you're also teaching as well because you've taught me a few things in the garden with your old uh, <laughs> banana fertiliser. You know, I didn't know that one. I use that one now. It's good. It's fantastic. Yeah, put your old banana skins, which you know, are not great to go straight in your compost, but you put them into a, um, a jar of water and you leave them for a couple of days and it just brings out all the potassium and then you put that through your garden. I mean, yeah. I, I spend my life, like my bedside table, actually your book's on my bedside table at the moment. Thanks for the plug, yeah. It is, it actually is, along with uh, Karen Martini's along with two books on soil and one book on artificial insemination for cattle. So I like to, um, I have a, a very active mind and I like to pick things and I, I, I sometimes will get, you know, can't concentrate for too long on one thing so I move to the next thing. But the whole time is to, to watch and learn and, um, and just continually, you know, I, I guess, 
adapted to what we need in our life. But, you know, there's also random stuff like I've got Pinterest full of all our Christmas decorations every year. We do a massive Christmas decoration table and we have a theme and so we're finalising this year's theme and if I don't get orders in soon, I'm not going to be able to get all the stuff I need to do to decorate the table. So I I, I actually use our show constantly for inspiration. You're like the perfect host for the show. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> hopefully. You love it all. What's the Christmas theme going to be this year? What's the front I- runner? It sounds bizarre, but I think it's actually going to be feathers, um, which I know sounds ridiculous, but we have every year we have a theme. So last year, which was actually a delay from the year before, was um, all like pastel pinks and uh, we've got leather seats at the moment. We extend our table to sort of seat 20 people. And um, and so we, we did pastel pinks with pink flowers and, and eucalyptus leaves that I collected mm-hmm. off the farm and it was absolutely beautiful and classic. Um, this year I found, ironically, just this one um, like wreath that was done in feathers and I keep looking at it. I bought it in, gosh, I bought it eight months ago and I've just kept looking at it and I'm thinking what I'll actually do is a whole lot of feathers, greenery and, and you know, always use lights quite cleverly along the table and candles and it will be it'll be almost like a, um, I don't know, like a, a Gatsby kind of um, luxurious table hopefully Oh, yeah, this year. nice. Yeah, very nice. Uh, and you've got two places. So you live in Sydney, but you have your your dream property, I guess, outside of Sydney. How are the gardens different? Completely different. So Sydney, our house is different. Our garden is different in the sense the house is incredibly low maintenance. Um, it feels for us almost like we're apartment living because we're, we are forever going between the two places. And this has to be as practical and as organised because it's when we're in Sydney, we're just madly working. So everything has to have a place so there's a lot of storage in it. So you don't see a lot of mess. You don't see a lot mm-hmm. of real life. It's it's incredibly organised. It's clean. It's pristine. It's The gardens are very low maintenance. It's only a tiny block. It's only um, 334 square metres, the block, but we were able to go up. So we've got four levels, which meant that we don't have gardens at the ground level. We actually created gardens at the first level. We've got lots of gardens at the back. We've got vertical gardens. So for small spaces, fantastic to put greenery and where it's not taking up you know square meterage but you 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 know my goal in any home that we design with our construction company is whatever whatever window you're looking out at you actually have to be looking at something and uh, you know I can say that's definitely something that I've learned from all the years of doing architecture with Pete Colquhoun on the show Mm. so um this one is all low maintenance though it's all 100% natives it's um pretty much we have one tiny patch of lawn that's the only thing that we need to really mow and the rest of it is a couple of hedges and it's mainly native grasses and native plants and it's it's the easiest garden in the world to look after the farm is very different it's 100 acres um we have uh, I'm obsessed with beekeeping, bird watching, mm-hmm. um, and so it's all about having gardens that are probably more the garden style that I like, which is a little bit messier and a bit more natural. And um, I put plants in by selection of what birds will like and what birds they will attract. And so you'll find lots of natives, but they'll be small-headed, you know, bougainvilliers and and yeah, anything that I can put in that I know my bees will go be obsessed with and the birds will be obsessed with, that's what it's about because I spend all my waking time either in the veggie garden, which again is mm-hmm. another different type of garden, but probably where I spend the most time at the farm. And if I'm not there, I just want to be looking out at birds and bees. Yeah, well, we'll get to the veggies later on, but the <laughs> bees, I know you're a mad beekeeper, aren't you? Yeah. Where did that passion start from? It actually started from the veggie patch. So, um, 
I have always wanted to live off the grid, always had a dream of living off the grid. I'm very fortunate that I met and married a man that, that shared the same passion. Uh, veggies, we wanted to, to see how many of our own, how much of our own food we could produce. Um, <laughs> some other book I've got, which is on butchery. I'm not quite there yet. But <laughs> I would ultimately love to be able to have meat chickens and be able to, you know, once a year, butcher a steer or something like that. I'm not, I don't, I'm not precious about that sort of stuff. I, yeah. I, I know where my food comes from and I respect it and I look after it and I, I um, understand the process. But at the moment we're not quite at the meat level, but we are yeah. at the veggie level. We produce about 85% of our veggies. And the natural progression with veggies was um, understanding pollination and how that worked. And I, I have a you know, two very dear friends, Jim Wilson and Chris Bath, who used to come up every weekend and they end up buying a place where we only have to go through one gate to each other. And so we've known each other for over 30 years in the industry and those people that you click with and you just know are going to be mates forever. And Dorothy and I and Jimmy, we share a passion for bird watching. Jimmy, like Todd, has has inherited a passion for beekeeping um, and veggie growing and everything else that we do. But I basically booked Barthy and I into a beekeeping course and I remember because I was in Sydney, she was coming down from her property and she basically rang and abused me the whole way down the freeway because she was so dreadfully hungover and she couldn't believe I booked <laughs> her into this two-week course. And um, and we and, you know, I met her, I met her with a big coffee and I was like, everything's going to be okay, I think you're going to love this course and she was still just listing all the things she hated about me and, and we, we went to this thing and we were both just not in the greatest frame of mind and by the end of the first day we... We'd filled out like two notebooks of notes and, and they're trying to wrap up the day and they're telling us that we were coming back next Saturday and we were like, sorry, what do you mean we're coming back next Saturday? How about, what about tomorrow? What are you doing yeah. tomorrow? We can just like, keep going with the course then. Like, we didn't want it to end. And the great thing about beekeeping, when you start it, there's always so much more to learn and you just become obsessed and you have a real appreciation for, for what bees do, not only for what we've seen happens in our own respective gardens, but... Mm. But what they do on the grander scale, like we have no food sources in the world without bees. And so you, you, you taught us kids to swap bees and to freak out if they're near your can of whatever you've got open. These days, I just, if I see a bee, everything stops in the world. And uh, I just, I love watching what type of bee it is, whether it's a native or whether it's an introduced bee, what it's doing, what it's attracted to, what po- how much pollen it's collecting, yes. working out what type of bee they are. I've, so seen, it- I've seen you in action doing that. <laughs> so Joe and I recently went on a trip to Vancouver and Alaska and Joe was in heaven looking at all the different bees that were there. You were like salivating, weren't you? <laughs> a bit like you in the gardens. I think it between was a bit both like of that, us, yeah. it was like you just kept talking about the different plants and I was just like, but look at the bees. And you're like, but look at this. I'm like, but look at the squirrels. Like, I mean... I think I think I think what gardening does, I think what beekeeping does, what a passion for animals does, is it gives you a, a healthy respect for the entire ecology and how everything mm. has its place. And you know, even it's funny, even from bees, like I I don't freak out about the different seasons and different bugs that you get. And every every year, depending on the the conditions, there might be a different type of bug that that becomes more. Um, prevalent in your garden, but you you learn to respect what it's doing, how to get rid of it, you know, and you don't you don't freak out. I think the way that you you kind of talk to as a kid, which is like yeah. everything has to be off you. You can't have any bugs near you. Whereas now I look at all bugs and I'm like, oh, actually, you're pretty cool. Yeah, well, things have changed, haven't they? Like you said, you, you don't swat the bees away anymore, and you don't go straight for chemicals on no. insects. You look for for different ways. Mm-hmm. 
because bees are so important. They're perfect little pollinators with their fat little yeah. bodies and their hairy little legs going and collecting pollen and, and sending it to other plants. What have you been planting to promote uh, your bees? Oh, gosh, everything. Um, a million different natives. Lavender, they love lavender. Mm. Um, they love any bottle brushes, um, anything that flowers. I mean, they really they really love, like even at the moment, we haven't been able to get into our paddocks for, you know, 12 months at the moment because of how wet it is. And we have fireweed, which normally my husband would have a conniption if he saw a, you know, patch of fireweed. Yeah. But the, the only upside is the bees love the fireweed. They love absolutely any, you know, they love any weed, anything that flowers. But yep. um, what else do we put in? We uh, Pistachio trees put in recently, which again require male and female trees. So you actually, to get fruit off those trees, you, you actually need bees. your bees to do yeah. their job. So um, sorghum, there's a million different things. I mean, pretty much anything and anything, everything that flowers I look at whether or not it can be an edible flower, whether that can become part of our diet, whether or not it, it is something that is specifically just for bees or just to attract birds. And it just it dictates our whole life. At the moment we've got a bower bird that's made a nest at the um, pretty much at our back door, which really I'm not sure if it's the smartest bower bird in the world <laughs> because we've got dogs and a million people and friends that come over with pets. And uh, But this bower bird has just, it, we feel like we're watching this David Attenborough documentary every day where, yep. you know, he wakes us up, he he makes all these different noises, he puffs himself up, he's got all these different little blue treasures everywhere and we've got literally a front row seat from our bed in the morning to where I'm cooking food. I just watch a bird all day going through his mating ritual. I mean, It's, it's funny it's how they awesome. they love the colour blue, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, and we, yeah. and we, we've helped him. We put out a million different little blue trinkets. I mean, first of all, I was horrified by how much blue plastic he found <laughs> because we try not to have plastics on our property. Yeah. But yeah. his nest, you look at it and you go, if that is a reflection on society, we're in trouble. Yeah, for but, sure. But, uh, you know, they're, they're actually so cool. They they and, and the different shades of blue that really captured them is also like, it's been like a little science experiment for us to see what he likes and what he doesn't like. And yeah. he's very calm with us. Like he, I think he knows we're not going to hurt him yes he's obviously cautious if if there's other dogs our dog's not smart enough really to <laughs> work out that he's there but yeah they're, they're pretty uh they're pretty good at hiding too with uh bees i was actually reading a book on um the best the best way to have a pollinating garden for bees and things like that and they were saying it's uh, it's not just having one flower it's having an array of flowers so you've got to have different heights different colors yeah. different shapes and try and stick to uh the the older varieties because yep. they're a more open flower rather than a closed ruffled flower that the bees find hard to get into. And, and I believe they're more attracted to blue flowers. So anything that's in the blue range, bees also will see that before they see any other colours. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're quite amazing. They can map almost to the centimetre of what you do. So I've got a part of the garden that's meadow flowers, a part of the garden, lots of it that's mostly natives. We have a lot of flowering gums that they're they're mm-hmm. on the cusp at the moment, just starting to come out. They go absolutely nuts. So earlier in the season, they love wattle, um, and you know wattles aren't great for cattle and for everything else because they've got such a small root system. But you find a balance between everything. You just find you find what works. You find like there's a native and it's got little white flowers. They're obsessed with that. What you do is you get apps on your phone and wherever you're driving, and I always remember this at the bee course because I thought, oh, a country property would be the best place for bees. And they're like, no, 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 if you could actually put one in your city house, it would be better. And I was like, yeah. why? And they said for that exact reason, there's more variety and there's just thousands of people who have got flowers and flowering trees and flowers, you know, flowering plants in their gardens. But 
for us, it's like, okay, well, we're putting in as many as we can. We put in as many, you know, hakeas. They love hakeas. Mm. We're trying to find hakeas that fit in our area with the temperature zones. And so you, you, you constantly, if you're driving anywhere, we're doing a story somewhere and there's a plant that's covered in bees, I, I literally pull out my camera, I, I go on an app, I find out what the plant is, I write down its name, and then I head off to either my nursery or to the local native nursery and I find and out stick on what in. it is. Yeah. Uh, they need water as well, don't they? Like, they like do. birds do. That's a really important part. Yeah, they can't have it too close to them, though. Otherwise, yeah. they're funny. They'll almost go and drown themselves. They have such a short life, bees. So apart from the queen, you know, 20 to 41 days is their lifespan. So yeah. they need they need to have a water source, but they're pretty amazingly efficient at being able to find that. And they also obviously need pollen. They need, you know, nectar. They, they can work out the math of the absolute perfect combination. So if you, if you were going to say get your hive and and take honey out of it before all your honey is capped. Yeah. You'll actually have problems with your honey. It will it will start to f- continue to ferment because right. they actually cap their honey when it's 100% perfect to store for the rest of its life like that. So they're just I think that's the thing with bees that the more that you learn about what they do and how they do it the more amazing they are and more, the more obsessed you become. Yeah. And it all started with your veggie patch. Yeah, and now we produce about 85% of our veggies, which is pretty cool. Where did that desire come from? Uh, I think as a kid I always, growing up in a household, we had to do lots of chores and so it was either you did the indoors or the outdoors and the indoor work bored me. It still does. (laughs) So that's why this house is so organised. The farmhouse is chaos because we have so many animals in it. But um, one day we will have, like Todd and I have this commitment to each other, one day we will have a very organised Farmhouse, which anyone who I know who lives in the country laughs at that. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but we're a lot more relaxed up there as far as what we would put up with in terms of chaos. Um, but it was a choice growing up of inside or outside. And I I loved being outside and I still love being outside. I love I love my eyes resting on green. I, I love what it does for my soul. I love I love watching things grow. I mm-hmm. love that whole sense that you have of having a space that's nothing and turning into something that's quite beautiful and then all the other benefits that you get from it. And I think that was instilled, even though most of the stuff that I was doing was the maintenance, the lawns, the edging, the the weeding. But I, I'm one of those weird people who... Some people love ironing. I hate ironing, but I love weeding. I find it really yeah. relaxing. You also um, like painting as well, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's just it's almost hypnotic. Like I do, I like house painting, which is even weirder. Not even artistic painting. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, I think those things where you feel like you make progress. And I think in a garden, you can feel like like you can spend a day in a garden or a couple of hours in a garden or even half an hour, and you can actually feel like you have had amazing progress. And I think yeah. that's also appeals to me. I'm the sort of person I love a list. I love ticking something off. I love looking at a space that is chaos and feeling like I have improved it or made a difference. Yeah. What's the most satisfying thing you grow in your veggie patch? Oh, to be honest, all of it. I, I, I was listening to you actually on the weekend when I was out in my veggie patch and I was looking around and I was like, wow, what am I growing at the moment? And then I started to reel off all the things that we're growing at the moment and you know, some things that we hadn't grown before that we're doing quite well with and whether they're different types of berries or, you know, we've got an avocado tree which started actually from a seed in my compost. Or, wow. Um, even like a, I'm one of those weirdos. I love composting. I, I think I spend... That's not weird at all. You're, you're in the right place. This is a safe zone for composters. <laughs> this is Charlie Arbone telling me that composting's not weird. I know now that you and I should be at some kind of help group. But, <laughs> but in all honesty, like I, I read about composting for a year before I 
I was given my 40, for my 40th birthday, my husband built me three compost bins, yeah. <laughs> which I was stoked about. Everyone was like, weird. Um, but he knew that that was, I knew I didn't have a veggie garden or any you know, longevity of a veggie garden unless I could actually have those three compost bins constantly going yeah. and constantly turning and this, constantly adding to it. This is the test, okay? So when you're at the supermarket buying the remaining 15% of your yeah. food, do you go, I'm going to buy that because that's going to make good compost? Because <laughs> I do. <laughs> I might be a little bit guilty of that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, yeah. to be honest, I only buy what we don't need or if we, we have massive numbers to entertain if I need to top up. But yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we have no waste. I think that's the thing, that's the other part that, that if you if you care about the environment and you care about the world, once you start going into the, down the gardening hole, I call it, which mm. which encompasses gardening, compost, bees, you know, soil management, you know, native gardens, gardens for flowers, gardens for joy, you actually realise if you're looking after your garden, you have virtually no waste. So... Yeah, and even stories I do on the show, like we did a great one called The Great Wrap, which is a compostable um, plastic wrap alternative that, that can break down in your backyard compost. Yeah. Now, it's it's a little bit trickier to use in the kitchen, but that is in both our households, and I love it. And Where so do you, we, I saw that story, and I loved that story. Where do you get that stuff from? Online, called okay. greatwrap.com.au. .com, I think it is. I don't even think they're AU because they're now going global. But, that, yeah, they're doing amazing things. It's all made from potato starch. Like yeah like leftover potato starch. So, I mean, we're, we're so lucky we're exposed to so much um, mm. and so many great things. And so you just take the very best ideas of what you're exposed to and you incorporate them into your life. Yeah. As well as your gardening stories, I do love the stories you tell me about your sons and how wild they are. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got them into gardening or are they not there yet? Uh, how would I say? I, I, one of them has discovered the mower at the farm, so okay. that's kind of promising. Yeah. They, they, they were definitely not like me in the sense, I guess, every house that we've lived in, because I've always done the maintenance of the gardens, they have just cruised through life. And it's funny, it's only now that they're in their own quite settled relationships, thank God after the years <laughs> that we went through with them, that they start. this world is starting to open up to them. So now Jessie will often ring with her, you know, I should say Jessie and Nicola because often it's Nicola who's asking because she's, she's like, your son's great but he's pretty useless in the garden. So <laughs> um, but they'll ask questions about, you know, what to put in or what to do with garden design or, what, mm -hmm. you know, how can they improve the soil up in Cairns. Um, Joe lives in the bottom of the house that we're in in Sydney um, in an amazing apartment. He's probably not there yet, but he's the one that's discovered the mower. So we figure that's our fault. We've probably, because we just always get on and we do things, that we've probably tried so hard to make sure they had everything that we've made them a little bit useless on that front. But, um, but we figure that's coming, they're coming into their own to sort that out. A mower is a great place to start. It, yeah. it, it really is. Do you uh, do all your own propagation and stuff like that or do you buy yeah. seedlings and seeds? So you do all that? Uh, combination of both. It actually got quite hard to get seedlings through um, COVID. So, yeah. and, and a lot of the places like uh, I love worm ticklers in, in New South yeah, Wales. Yeah, he's great. Oh, Jordan's amazing, but they got smashed by the floods twice. Mm. Um, so his plugs always are a never fail. I used to get his seasonal, um, you know, boxes that you would do and then on top of that propagate seeds around it. So we propagate a lot of our own seeds, but we also still top up with things. And I think the thing I've, I, I see, I love the veggie patch for everything you continue to learn about veggie growing because I knew nothing when I started. So you learn about soil, you learn about, you know, composting, organic matter, and then you learn about what works and companion planning, and then you learn about 
um, you know, whether or not you want to have everything systematic in your garden. And I think Jackie French was one of the first books that I'd read years ago where she's like, don't do that. You're just basically mm. inviting bugs to go from plant to plant to plant to plant. So, so, so get this idea out of your head that it has to be total conformity in your garden. And so these days, apart from, you know, trying to keep track of everything so that I'm not replanting in the same spots within about every two years, I, I basically will put things randomly next to each other and just see how they go. So, so much of it is just trial and error of, of seeing what takes and what doesn't take. I use wicking beds, which I know um, you've heard me rave on about yes. a lot. But I, I did that because when I put my garden in, we were in massive drought. And so I had to think of the most water efficient way that I could have a large vegetable garden. And that was the way. And, and the idea being that the roots would only go down to the water and they'd only draw up as much as they need. Um, we've now had extraordinary rain for the last 12 months, but prior to that we had extraordinary drought. But when you only had, I only had to top my beds up a couple of times, I, I knew I was onto the right system for where I lived and, and what I was facing. Yeah, and for the amount of maintenance you can give it as well. Yeah. You know, you, you can get up there every day to water, so wicking beds are, are excellent. I've got them yeah. too up at my property. I love them. I think they're great. I love your little veggie garden, your meadow yeah. garden, but um, and your olive trees, which I still have olive tree envy. Hey. But um. But I mean, they, even even funnily enough now, like I've never spent so much time top weeding because the other part about wicking beds was I liked is I didn't have to do much top weeding. Yep. But we've had so much rain. There's so much more, um, so like a weed mass across the top layer. And, and actually outside of the beds, I'm having to spend more time actually just, just keeping it neat because one of the deals I had with my husband, he's a... He's a neat freak with stuff in the garden. He loves mm-hmm. having everything you have its place. So I had to try and convince him you could have a veggie garden that didn't look like total chaos. And I think we've achieved it. I just keep all of the things that grow messily, like your watermelons <laughs> and zucchinis and pumpkins and, you know, even potatoes. I've, I've moved out into what I call the the messy zone, which I've explained to him you need to have one in each garden. But um, it's just this, it's just about compromise. It's so yeah. that I don't have things hanging over the sides of beds and everything's nice and neat in the part that he, he doesn't, he, you know, he, he appreciates what I do but he's like, oh, garden. So he just walks out and he goes, mm, garden, looks neat. Great, and walks back inside. <laughs> he doesn't see it the other end. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're, you're in the process of designing a new house for your, your farm. Are you going to have uh, a garden around it or is it just going to be veggie patch and plants for the bees? No, it will, again, it will be that idea of everything you're looking out on has to be, well, not, not even just beautiful, but for me, I, I want it to be like we've got at the moment, which is established gardens, a lot of new planning for bees and birds, but but that's I love sitting and having a cuppa in the morning and and watching nature. Mm. <laughs> so, and I think because because our lives are so busy and so chaotic in in every other part that the whole reason well the reason we got the farm was for kids being teenagers and getting them out of Sydney at at a pretty tricky stage and and watching kids become kids with space again. But the other part that we got it was was we realised we had to have something just for us where we could really, really mentally switch off. Um, it's amazing. I don't mind if we, like, we just flogged ourselves for four days over a long weekend. I don't care if we flog ourselves for 10 hours a day. It's a different type of feeling. You, you come in feeling almost revitalised and refreshed because mentally your brain switched off. You're not thinking about work. You're just thinking about what you're looking at. You get so much satisfaction out of what you're looking at. We share that space with so many people. We entertain a lot. So it's it's a very important part for us in switching off from our everyday lives. Yeah, I've never met a stressed out gardener in my life, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, and you, you, you do a lot of work with mental health, don't you? 
Yeah, so I've been on the board of Beyond Blue for eight years and I um, chair the National Advisory Council for BU, which is the um, government-led initiative from 0 to 18, so early learning centres and right through from year, uh, you know, kindy through to year 12, so it goes from 0 to 18 all across the country. And so it's an amazing program. We're getting amazing results. We're in a huge percentage of schools and early learning services now and and. It's one of those things where when we launched it, we are like, you know, the weird thing is it's probably going to take 20 years before you really feel the effects of this. But I think it's actually happening sooner and, yeah, we're seeing a generation of kids and we've always said, imagine if you had kids who treated their mental health the way they did their physical health, which is what I was taught through sport. Mm. You actually didn't have one without the other. So it's great to chair that. You have some of the best brains in the world. You have representatives from health and education from every level of government across Australia. Um, so it's it's... One of those things where I feel like it's the work that I do with Beyond Blue is probably the most valuable work that I've ever done in my life. It's not the most seen work. It's not, um, you know, I only have one more year, I think, is, uh, you know, my time on the board, that'll nine years and three three-year terms is the end of, of what you do with that. And I think that's smart because they've got to keep refreshing it and they've got to keep mm. it going and get new ideas and new people and you've got to commit a lot of time to doing it. But it's definitely some of the work that I'm most proud of that I do. How do you think uh, gardening plays into that? Huge part. There's a million researchers that will back that up. I mean, you can look at whether it's in relation to depression, whether it's in relation to anxiety, whether it's just in relation to people using it like I do, which is a, a, a positive break in, in your mental health journey that you have with between your own ears. Um, the benefits of people actually nurturing something and seeing something grow, the benefits of people being just surrounded by nature, surrounded by green, surrounded by what they're looking at. It, you know, there's there's research, I can't tell you how many things on, on that front, but there's also research if you go into various ailments and, and disorders. So, um, you know, I, I know we did in the show a few years ago, Dementia Garden, where mm. it's extraordinary memory, touch, smell, um, all these things are jogged by people actually being in nature. You also get people talking to each other a lot easier when they're with shoulder to shoulder, they're not face to face. So it's a great place to start a conversation, a difficult conversation to have with people if they're busy and they're doing things. So it doesn't matter which way you look at gardening, it has a positive benefit no matter what. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think everyone should at least give it a go. As soon as yeah. you give it a go, you love it. That's, that's Yeah, I reckon. And also that thing of, um, you know, everyone's so afraid to make mistakes. In gardening, you make mistakes and it's just accepted. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And all of a sudden they come out with <laughs> their war got... stories. They're like, oh, yeah, I did that. Well, oh, oh, you'll learn. But the thing is you, it, it's okay because you can, you can try something different and it can work and then you become part of this extraordinary community, whether it be online or other gardens like it's a bit like beekeeping and bird watching I can't go anywhere without someone talking to me about bees birds or gardening um but it's amazing and you 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 know half the stories I do on the show are ones that I've suggested to them that we do along those lines or they might be people who are doing you know amazing things in their part of the world that's making a difference and all of a sudden you realise all these people are connected because they share passion. And to be perfectly honest, once you find other like-minded people who share a passion, then you found your people. Mm, absolutely. Well, Joe, the only person I think who's a bigger fan of you than me is my mum. So, I love your mum. <laughs> my my mum is a massive fan of yours, as is everybody who's listened to this podcast. Mm, I, I don't know th- about that, but thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your mum and you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy, so sharing what you know has been really special. Thank you so much.
I feel very honoured to have been asked, Charlie, and it's very nice having you ask the questions for a change. Often Charlie says to me, gosh, you really like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I do say that, but I say it in a nice, it comes from a loving place. Oh, thank you. It comes from a good part of that beautiful heart of yours. You can't go anywhere with Jo uh, quickly, is what I've worked (laughs) out. You know, she talks to everyone, she finds out what they like, and she likes it as well, so then she's talking for hours and hours, and I'm kind of standing there twiddling my thumbs to the side going, come on, Jo, we're in a rush. possibly the only other person outside of my kids and my husband who truly, truly understands and appreciates that. <laughs> Todd often goes, yeah, the shops, how long are you going to be? I go, five minutes, is it? See you in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, well, Joe, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. It's now time for some community questions, and I love being able to help out all of my listeners. So today's first question is from Aaron in Sydney. And he says he's been listening to the season and really enjoying it. Well, thank you, Aaron. His lawn, though, is growing like crazy after all this rain. And when he's cut it, it was a bit too damp. So it's left wheel marks behind and they're driving him crazy. What is the best way to remove them? And how do I have a smooth lawn again? Well, with all the rain that so much of Australia has been having, the issue is compaction. So what you need to do is get a garden fork and lift all those tyre marks just lightly send the fork through the lawn just to lift it up. You could then top dress with a sandy mix so it doesn't collapse in on itself. And then when it comes to mowing the lawn, you need to do it more often, but take less off and those stripes should disappear. Okay, on to the next question from Bruce in Melbourne. Hi, Charlie. I've got some beautiful fruit trees. So beautiful, the birds and possums love to get to them. Now, I've previously used bird netting, but I understand the direction on this has changed, which is true because they can get tangled in it. So what's the best way to protect young crops so I can enjoy my fruits? Well, there's a couple of things you could do. One, you could build a more sturdy sort of anti-avery where you build it out of timber and use a a steel mesh to keep the birds out. But uh, the way I like to do it really is to protect each individual fruit. So you go around and you make a little net out of bird netting and you just wrap up the fruit. So if they're oranges or pears, just an individual wrapping and then an elastic band around and that should keep those pests well away. Jodie's asked, hello, Charlie. I love watching you on TV. Several of my indoor plants have leaves that are going yellow. What can I do to stop this? Well, life as an indoor plant is quite harsh and the yellow leaves is probably from a lack of sunlight, too much water or not enough water. So move it to a nice bright area and keep your watering regular. So don't fluctuate too much and your plants should be fine. Also, you might want to give it a dose of a nitrogen high fertilizer just to bring the green back. Finally, Sarah from the Gold Coast has emailed me. She says, hi, Charlie. My garden is growing like crazy since the warm weather has hit us. Do you have any tips on how to prune and manage a garden that means it won't take all weekend or end up like an overgrown rainforest? Well, my tip here is to do a little bit more gardening. Um, What you want to do is a little bit every day. I think 10 minutes every day is so much more effective than an hour on the weekend. You just get to keep on top of everything. Now, if you've got a larger garden, then yes, you're still going to have to be doing a bit more on the weekend, but try and give a crack every single day and it will stop it looking like an overgrown rainforest. Do you have a gardening question you'd like me to answer? Well, send an email to charlie at still.com.au and I'll try and answer them in two weeks time on our next episode. Joanna is obviously a curious person who loves to learn and it was so great to chat to her about all her sustainable practices, everything from compost all the way through to keeping bees and how to keep them happy. I love the way she says, don't be afraid to make mistakes and give everything a try. You know, knowledge is power. So if you don't know about something, 
go on a course and learn some more. And finally, the best way to clear your mind and lift your spirits is to get out in the garden and get your hands in the dirt. Well, thanks for listening to That's How We Grow in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. Do you need the tools to take on any garden challenge? Go to the Still website or head to your local Still dealer today. There are over 600 local dealers across Australia and you can easily find your local Still dealer through the convenient locator on the Still website. You can find us on Instagram too, still underscore AU and follow me on Instagram as well, charlie underscore Albone. In our next episode, I'll chat with garden designer Tristan Pierce, an award-winning garden designer based in Perth. Tristan is making a name for himself with amazing gardens and spaces that often include a swimming pool. We'll chat about garden design, including a pool in your garden, and what plants are great around a swimming pool. This episode will be around in two weeks. Don't forget to check out Still's gardening blog with plenty of great gardening advice, as well as my key seasonal tips and tricks. Be sure to go to blog.still.com.au. I'm Charlie Albone. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.